I've spoken in the past about the annual trip my brothers and I made um, to my grandmother's home in Claxton, Georgia. In mid-August, we would be, in the early years, put on the train from Atlanta to Savannah, known as the Nancy Hanks. In the latter years, the trip was nowhere near as exciting or enjoyable because we had to ride a Trailways bus after the Nancy Hanks quit running. My Uncle John, a decade plus older than I, had the honor after he got his driver's license of driving us to various places around town that were too far for us to walk. We could walk most places, but um, there was a recreation center, for example, across town that was off of Highway 301, and Highway 301 in those days was a death trap. The first summer of his chauffeuring us around, as we rode through town, if something surprised him or took him unawares, he would say, geez. Now, I thought my Uncle John was kind of cool, and I'd never heard the word before, and it sounded fun, and so I decided that I'd be cool and have some fun too, so every time he would say it, I would say it, until I said it in front of my grandmother. I knew as soon as she turned to me and said, what did you say? That I was in trouble. And I, she said, where did you learn that? And I knew as soon as she asked that, that if I told her the whole truth, that John would be in trouble too. So I said, oh, I heard it at the rec center. She said, well, don't say it anymore. Do you know what you're really saying? And I said, no. And she said, well, you're saying Jesus. You're taking the Lord's name in vain. You should not take the holy name of Jesus in vain. To this day, I resist any attempt to say it. In fact, it was hard for me to say it earlier in the sermon, but I did. Today, if you haven't already figured it out, we mark the Feast of the Holy Name. It's one of the three feast days that take precedent over the liturgical lessons appointed when it falls on a Sunday. Today, we remember Jesus and his full initiation into the Hebrew faith and the gift of his holy name from God. Names were and are important. In some cultures and in some circles, knowing someone else's name gives one power over the other or insight into the core of their being. Names play an important part of the Old Testament stories. Abraham and Sarah became Abraham and Sarah after God makes the covenant initiated some 13 years before um, an everlasting covenant between Abraham and Abraham's sons and God. Sarah and Abraham's son Isaac was born when they were both greatly advanced in years. Isaac, which means laughter, is a reminder of Sarah's laughter when told by one of three holy visitors that upon their return, Sarah would have borne a child. It also reminds us of the joy that Sarah and Abraham had at the birth and of their son at such an old age. Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob, were given appropriate names. These two twins had wrestled mightily in their mother Rebecca's womb. When she sought insight as to why this was happening, she was told that this would be a lifelong struggle between her sons and that the older one would serve the younger. Esau means rough or hairy, which describes Esau. And Jacob means he who supplants. Jacob, second born, 
but holding on to Isaac's ankle, I'm sorry, Esau's ankle, um, in fact, would buy his brother's birthright and then would trick their father Isaac into giving them the first son's blessing. Finally, after a decade of living in a far-off land to avoid Esau's wrath, Esau's wrath, since he'd stolen both, bought the birthright and tricked the, um, the blessing, elder son's privileges, Jacob decides to go back and to ask Esau for forgiveness. The night before he arrives at the meeting place, he finds himself wrestling with God. And at the end of the struggle, just as dawn breaks, God gives Jacob yet a new name, Israel, which means he is striven with God. I could go on and on about the Old Testament names, but I think that's enough. We all know that our own names have meaning and value to us. Charles means free man. My surname, Gerardo, French, obviously, means the Gerards who live by the water. In fact, my ancestors lived in a small village on the coast of France. One of my favorite seven, eleven songs, you know those songs that have seven words that you sing eleven times? Or eleven words to sing, it doesn't make any difference. Begins, Jesus, 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 there's something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. Jesus. There is something about that name. It was given to him through the angel Gabriel when the angel visited Mary before he was conceived, we heard in today's gospel, given to him by God. The origins of the name Jesus can be traced back to God's most holy name, one never spoken by Orthodox Jews to this very day, Yahweh, I am that I am. The name that God gives to Moses at the burning bush Jesus certainly was spoken by Mary and Joseph both as he grew as a child and did right and wrong. It was spoken by his cousin John the Baptist as he proclaims the coming of the Messiah in public ministry of Jesus begins. Spoken by the disciples and countless others who followed him during his earthly ministry. It was nailed above his head as he died for us, as he was obedient even unto death on the cross. Jesus is a name that we pray on a regular basis. A name we call on in times of need, in times of joy, in times of sorrow, in times of celebration. Just repeating the name Jesus, either silently or quietly out loud, is one of the best breath prayers for me to use. Do you know about breath prayers? It's an ancient way of praying. You pray a word or a phrase as you breathe in, and you pray a word or a phrase as you breathe out. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Now, I'm going to make this a participatory sermon. I'm going to suggest, and I know we're all Episcopalians here, we don't like being told what to do, that we try this together, either with your eyes open or closed, just for a moment, just for a few seconds, just breathe in and quietly, slowly say the word Jesus. And breathe out and quietly, slowly say the word Jesus. Let's try it.
Jesus. There's just something about that name. And there's something about your name, too. You can stop now. See all these eyes closed. I'm afraid you'll go to sleep. There's something about your name, too, that you may or may not know. It's something that happened to you at your baptism. Here's a rubric from the baptismal service. Each candidate is presented by name to the celebrant or to an assisting priest or deacon who then immerses. That's an interesting thing. If you've ever heard that. Or pours water upon the candidate saying, Charles Michael, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Note, surname is not used at baptism. Given names. On January 6, 1955, Charles Michael was baptized right around the corner at St. Luke's. I was given another name at that time. That name is Christian. I became Charles Michael Christian. On her baptismal day, Elizabeth Shouse Caffey became Elizabeth Kristen Christian. I should have known I was going to stumble on that. Elizabeth Kristen Christian. On your baptismal day, you received the name Christian too. Follower of Jesus of Nazareth, child of God, inheritor of the kingdom, forgiven, redeemed, beloved of the Lord, Precious in God's sight, Christian. As we continue to celebrate the Incarnation, may we continue to also celebrate the many gifts that we have received from God, including the name Christian and all that it means. May we give thanks for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. For God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In the name of Jesus Christ, the holy name of Jesus Christ, I offer this. Amen. Oh, by the way, you can practice a breath prayer during this time of silence.